Welcome to episode number 126 of the Civil Engineering Podcast, the first podcast dedicated to helping civil engineering professionals succeed in work and life. I am your host, Anthony Fasano. I am a licensed professional engineer who practiced as a civil engineer, but eventually decided I wanted to focus more on inspiring engineers rather than doing the engineering myself. So since then, I've written a book entitled Engineer Your Own Success and have traveled the world helping engineers. And through this podcast, myself and my co-host, Chris Knudsen, try to bring you information that can help you succeed in every episode. I've also had the honor of authoring the American Society of Civil Engineers Careers and Leadership column for the past few years. At the Engineering Management Institute, we believe that in order to be the best civil engineer you can be, you must consistently get better. Get better at your craft, your people skills, and as a leader. And that's why we publish this free podcast to help you do just that. In this episode, which I'm super excited for, I'm going to be speaking with Dax Hoff, who is the founder and owner of Dax Consulting, a civil engineering consulting firm in Southern California. And I get so many questions from listeners on how they can start their own civil engineering firm. So that's exactly what Dax is going to talk about throughout this episode. And what I love about this is that he's done it and he's been successful with it. So he's going to go through and talk about how he started the company. He's going to get into business development. He's going to talk about hiring the right people. He really kind of covers everything. And just to tell you a little bit more about Dax, Dax has worked on all different types of projects, including residential developments, commercial, industrial, aviation, schools, parks, public roads, water districts, and solid waste districts. And it's this varied experience that has helped him in building his own business. He's currently working on industrial and commercial projects, water resource projects, and other consulting. He is actively utilizing personal context that he gained throughout his career to attain engineering contracts throughout Southern California for land development projects, which is also what we're going to dive into with Dax. Before we get started with this episode, this is a free show and our sponsors help us keep it free. So I ask that you please support them. And now I'd like to recognize our sponsor for this episode, Mazer Consulting. A big thank you to EMI's podcast sponsor, Mazer Consulting, a privately owned multidiscipline engineering firm with 950 employees in 32 offices nationwide and growing fast. Mazer Consulting's engineers, planners, surveyors, landscape architects, and environmental scientists provide professional services to a diverse client base across the public and private sectors. Headquartered in New Jersey with projects coast to coast, Mazer's offices are strategically positioned to provide comprehensive services to meet their clients' needs. Mazer Consulting is committed to the success of their clients and employees. I'll tell you a little bit more about Mazer Consulting a little bit later on in the episode. Now, I do just want to also let you know something else about our guest, Dax Hoff. Dax is currently going through some training with the Engineering Management Institute to be one of the instructors for our Engineering Management Accelerator online workshop. So this interview is also a way for you to kind of meet Dax if you're planning to go through our Accelerator workshop or other courses that Dax might be involved with in the future. And if you're curious about our Engineering Management Accelerator online workshop, we just started a session and we have another one starting later next month at the end of October. You can check out the information at engineer2manager.com. That's engineer2manager.com. Essentially, this is a five-week course where you'll spend one to two hours per week sharpening the skills that you'll need to be an effective manager 
in your career, how to communicate effectively with team members and clients, how to network and build relationships, how to be productive and billable as a civil engineering professional, how to build expertise and master the art of public speaking, and also how to lead and be effective in delegation and high leverage leadership concepts. A lot of the things that Dax is going to speak about in this episode. So you could check all that out at engineer2manager.com. Again, that's engineer2manager.com. With that, let's dive into our civil engineering conversation of the week with Dax Hoff. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right, now I'm excited to welcome our guest for today's episode. I'd like to welcome Dax Hoff. Dax is the owner of Dax Consulting, a civil engineering consulting firm in Southern California. Dax, welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Thanks, Anthony. Happy to be here. So, Dax, you have done something that I know a lot of civil engineers want to do, which is maybe work in industry for a while for a firm and then transition and start your own firm. And so, you know, definitely want to talk about that a little bit today and about starting your firm and growing your firm. But before we get there, maybe you can just give our listeners, kind of in your own words, shorter summary of your career journey to date before we dive into it. Like most uh, civil engineering students, you know, I had a couple internships while I was in college. And those were really helpful because I got a pretty wide variety of, of exposure to a couple different kinds of companies and, and experiences. And then when I graduated, my uh, first job was working for a large general contractor. And so I was in the field doing construction work. And I was actually in Long Island, New York at that time uh, doing a project. And uh, so I was there for two years on that. And so I got a lot of field construction experience, which was really helpful. And then I uh, moved to California, which is where I had one of my summer internships. And at that point, I worked for a water company who I worked for at that internship. And so then I was on the agency side. And then we had some of our own projects, building reservoirs and tanks and those kind of things. So I was acting as the owner on that regard. While I was there, I got my PE license and I eventually went into the land development world and uh, been doing consulting work ever since. So I think a big part of that path to get to land development and into where I am today was just having that really wide range of experiences early in my career of being construction side, agency side, owner side, and then the consultant side. Yeah, that's great. And I know from my own career that the field experience is kind of invaluable in terms of in my opinion, helping you to be the best civil engineer you can be because it's much easier to design something when you know how it's built so you can make things much more practical. So let's talk about the whole decision-making process though of starting a civil engineering firm. Take us through that. Like, When did you know that you wanted to have your own firm? What kind of spurred that on? Take us through that thought process. I worked for two different land development firms and you know, as part of the process, not only was I doing design and project management, but I had a lot of business development that I had to do as part of those jobs. And, you know, I brought in a lot of work to the company and so on. So I always knew, you know, once I had been doing that for a while that I could bring in projects and get the projects done. It definitely is a big step to open your own firm. And there's a, there's a lot of risk involved. And uh, so I thought about it for a while. But what helped me to do it, part of it out of my control was the uh, recession and the economic downturn. The company cuts off, you know, kept doing cuts, and eventually the office got all the way down to where, you know, now they don't even exist anymore, the company that I was with in that particular office. But so at some point in there, I was let go, 
but I had a bunch of clients that said, you know, if you aren't at this company anymore, we would hire you. And uh, you know, if you start your own firm, so it was a good step to do it at that point. And so then I started my firm. And of course, being in the recession, it was very slow at the at the beginning. But the once as the economy turned around, I had great contacts that I had from my previous experience, and it was we're able to build all those uh, workload up from that point. Even though in some ways your hand was forced, as you said, because you were let go. Of course, there were still options for you to go and try to find another job as a civil engineer. Right. But you did have those clients that I guess you saw as kind of like a helpful start to a company. I know as an entrepreneur myself, not just anyone could start a business. You have to have some skills or some desire to do it. And it sounds like you had that because, you know, as I said, you could have just went on it and tried to get another job, even though there was a recession. Was there something that you just felt like that you wanted to be a business owner? that you really thought it was a good time to take this risk because it was something you really wanted to do professionally? Yes. You know, in my experience with land development firms, I worked both for a really large, you know, multi-state company as well as a small family-owned company. And so I had experience both with the big and the small. And, you know, I learned a lot of pros and cons of what things that either one of those companies did correctly and what things that I thought that they didn't do well and learn from that experience as well as the actual project and, and running the business experience. And in doing those roles for both of those companies, I felt that there was no reason why I couldn't run my own company doing those same things. When you first start out, it's tricky because you're getting going and you end up wearing a lot of hats when you, when you first start. But I was confident that I could do it. How long has it been now, Dax, since you started the company? We formally formed the company in uh, 2012, but kind of informally, you know, I was doing stuff in 2010-11. That's great. So it's been a, a good amount of time now for any small business to last that long, as I think is a, is a great accomplishment. So congrats to that for sure. I'm sure there's a lot of civil engineering professionals that are listening to this podcast episode or watching this video and thinking to themselves, you know, I think this is something I want to do in the future. Before we dive into like how you actually like the mechanics of building the business and things of that nature, let's just talk about making that decision and looking at some of like the pros and cons of starting your own civil engineering firm as opposed to just staying in a company and working with a company for some time. So what are some of the good things, the positive things, the nice things about building your own business from your own experience? It's being able to structure it in the way that, that you think is best. You know, when you work for another company, they already have their protocols and their formats and how they do work and, and everything else. And you have to fit into that company's structure. And uh, when you form your own company, you can set your own structure. And uh, so that's what I was saying about that. I learned a lot of really positive things that my past firms did. And I also learned from some of the things that I didn't think they did very well and tried to learn from both sides of that. And so I replicate the things that I agree with and and try to fix the things that I didn't think they did well. And so uh, just as you're going through your company work is, is learning from all those experiences, good and bad, and then trying to apply that in your own company. What you're able to do is you're able to kind of design the company that you want based on all of your past experiences. You take the good ones, you flush out the bad ones, and you can create your own company. So that seems to be a big positive in terms of creating your own work environment and things of that nature. What other benefits have you experienced as a business owner? 
having your own business, it, it's me making the decisions, which sometimes that's bad too, because it's all on me. But most of the time, you know, I'm choosing what clients I want to work for and how I want to manage the projects and make those kind of decisions versus particularly if you're with a really large company where you have some large corporate structure that has set rules about how you have to do things and you have to fit within those boxes. I think that's a big plus about owning your own business is just that flexibility to do the projects and the type of work and who you want to work for and so on. You just have a lot more ability, freedom to do those things. Right. It seems like the overarching theme here in terms of benefits is flexibility, whether it's flexibility in the way that you build the firm and the guidelines, the structures, rules, flexibility with the clients you pick, flexibility, I'm sure, a little bit more with your time. I'm sure if you wanted to, you could come in later and just work later, come in earlier, leave earlier, although you probably end up working a lot of days coming in earlier and working later. <laughs> exactly. Especially now. Yeah. So those sound like some great benefits. Let's flip over to the other side now. Of course, there's going to be cons or risks associated with anything. Talk to us about some of the kind of the cons or the risks associated with starting and building your own business. The biggest hurdle for anybody starting a business is that initial transition. Someone start a business now, even as good of economy that you have right now, if you left a firm and started your own firm, you're still going to have a big transition with projects and finances. If you start a company on September 1st, you get your last paycheck from your old company, you start your new firm. Even if you already had clients set up, you got to do that work, bill for it, get into a billion cycle. You're going to go several months there without having any revenue coming in until that whole cycle works its way through and then you're on a regular pattern. And so that initial transition, you have to make sure that you're set up to be able to handle that financial situation of not having income for several months and then making sure you have enough projects. That's the biggest thing is it's best if you're in a situation where you can line up projects even before you have gone out on your own. Because if you don't even start doing that business development until you're out on your own, you know, then that makes it more difficult. So I think most of the people, both myself as well as other people that I know that started their own business within engineering, it's that they already had some kind of situation where they had clients or people they knew that told them that, hey, I got this project coming up. And you know, if you had your own company, I would go with you and those kinds of things. It seems that the finances seem to be, of course, which may be obvious, but it is a big risk. You need to think through it because as Dax said, you're going to want to have months, I'm assuming three to six months, probably minimum of enough in the bank to kind of keep you going in terms of your expenses and things of that nature before you can get some regular clients in that are billing on a regular basis and you have some time to build up a project backlog and things of that nature. So that's something you really have to think about for sure. And also in terms of finances, I would think also, Dax, you know, a lot of civil engineers that work for companies, they have health benefits, they have a 401k, they have things of that nature that also I'm assuming when you start, I mean, no one's going to have enough money to start providing health benefits. Maybe you have to have a spouse that has health benefits of some sort, or you're not going to probably be able to contribute to a 401k. I mean, would you agree with that? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, you know, you're going out on your own and getting your own health insurance and doing those kinds of things. And when you have your own company, no one's paying you sick time or vacation time or you know, any of those kinds of things. And, uh, you know, it's you're getting paid for the work you're doing. But then, and then the next step as you grow the business with that whole financial is as you get staff. And so now you have other people that are working for you and you're having to deal with paying them as well as, as benefit situations. 
that financial cycle that our business operates in, you got to pay your employees right away, but then you don't get paid from your clients until whatever that time period is to invoice and, and get paid. So there's that lag time there and you have to make sure you have enough cushion to be able to pay both hard expenses like office space and computers and those kind of things, as well as personnel and be able to cover those things plus your own income until you have uh, enough finances coming in from your projects. Yeah. And I think to that point too, a lot of times, and I heard this when I was working as a civil engineer for the company I worked for. And if you're a civil engineer out there, you might hear people in your company referring to this is a lot of companies will, will take out a credit line so that they could use that credit line to finance their payroll if there's a cash flow issue or they don't have enough money to cover it. And, but then again, then you're getting into having to try to get a credit line and build enough credit to do that, which I'm sure is something that can't necessarily be done in the early stages of a company. I think Dax and I are covering some of these things, not to scare anybody away from starting a business, but make sure that you're open to all the different aspects of starting and running a business. And another aspect that I'll bring up, this is necessarily a pro or a con, but again, just something to talk about is if you're doing civil engineering as a civil engineer, and then all of a sudden you go and start your own business, as Dax mentioned earlier, you're going to be doing a lot more than just engineering when you start the business because you're going to have to get involved. Probably it'll be just you unless you have the money to pay someone immediately, which probably won't. So you're going to kind of have to do every aspect of that business until you grow it enough to hire someone. But then even if you hire someone, right, Dax, you're not just going back to doing like engineering type things. Then you have to worry about reviewing the person, providing benefits, making an offer and things of that nature. Right, absolutely. And it's it's progressive. You know, you go through those steps of as you have enough work and enough finances to be able to add those people in, but initially that is definitely a big step to be able to cover all all that expenses and be able to have the right people. You know, hiring the right people is huge. That's true when you're with another company as well, but you have to have the right team around you because it, if it's just you and you're handling everything. But you're absolutely right when you first start, that's what ends up happening is you know, as I said earlier about wearing all the hats, you know, you're doing a little of everything just because you're a good engineer that manages projects well at the company you're at, you still got to be able to handle all those other things. Hopefully that's something that people learn while they're with whichever company they're at and think about going on their own is how does accounting handle this? How does HR handle this? How does the IT guy set this up? And luckily there's lots of companies you can hire. You're not going to have a full-time admin and full-time HR and full-time accounting and full-time IT staff and all those kinds of things that you have, but there's all sorts of companies you can hire on a part-time basis to do that. I don't want to make this scare anybody off from starting their own company because I think it's exciting personally being an entrepreneur. Odds are too, when you start your company, you can, if you work at it, really keep your expenses down in the beginning so that you don't need a ton of revenue to keep yourself operational. You might have to think about things like a spouse having health benefits and things of that nature, of course, and just be financially savvy about it. I know many people that have started a small civil engineering company out of their home for the first however many months or years even until they got off the ground and got enough revenue. And as Dax said, they got that project cycle, billing cycle going, and then you can make the next steps. Our sponsor for the podcast right now, Mazer Consulting, where I worked, I got to have some conversations with Richard Mazer. I mean, this is a company that is now a thousand people across the country. And he told me about starting it literally in his house, I think in a room in his bedroom or something like that. So that's how people start. There's a lot of risks involved. There's certainly an upside. So with all that being said, Dax, we talked a little bit about some of the pros and cons of the business. Let's transition a little bit to growing the business. 
Because if you're out there listening, you do decide to start your business. And maybe right now you have started a young business and you're looking to get some tips on growing it. I see a couple things here, Dax. One, of course, would be bringing in new business. And one would be, as you alluded to earlier, you know, hiring the right people as you get to that spot. So let's start off with getting business. Because when you start the company, it's pretty much going to be just you, like we've already ever touched on. And so you need to get projects before you can actually hire someone. In your case, you had a couple of clients lined up, which is a great way to start. But in addition to that, what things might you do or what did you do to try to get some business? Luckily for me is I had a lot of people in the industry, contractors, other consultants, as well as developers that I knew and that, that liked working with me. And once they found out that I had started my own business, they were very helpful with being able to uh, refer me to its new clients, even if they didn't have a project or maybe they had one and had hired me, but they were referring me to other people. I have a couple of those contacts that if I mapped out all my clients, I could you know, have this whole tree of pathway from you know where these various clients came from. I've never really done, I don't think it's very successful, just doing you know cold calling marketing and just call developers up and say, hey, I'm a civil, you want to hire me? It doesn't work very well. And sometimes when I do get those kind of calls where somebody says, hey, I just saw your name somewhere, it rarely do, do those work out. But when somebody calls and say, hey, I got your name from person X, and, and that person is somebody who I've known for 15 years and we have a great relationship with, then I know that it's a quality referral. And those much more often are viable projects that can go forward. That's a huge part of that is just having this whole network. And that's why I think it's it's so helpful when you work for another company before you start your own, that you build that whole network up of these contacts in the industry and that people know you and you know them. So it's not just the technical part of how to manage a project and how to do the actual engineering for the technical side, but that business side of, of developing those relationships. What I love about everything that Dax just told us to me is that, I mean, basically it stresses the importance of building your network from day one in your career as a civil engineer, getting to know people, meeting, whether you're working at different companies or just working with different organizations through your project work, contractors, architects, engineers, surveyors, whoever it may be. But I would even say that whether or not you start your own civil engineering company, that network will be invaluable anyway, because even if you work for a larger company, if you want to grow a business unit, you want to grow a department, you want to maybe open a new office for that company, you're going to need to bring in new business. Most civil engineering professionals, unless you stay strictly, strictly technical, will have to bring in business in some way, shape, or form, or will help you in your career to do that. So that's something that you shouldn't just be turning on or off if you want to start your own business. So that's, I think, a big takeaway there. That being said, Dax, now you're growing your business, you have projects, you have clients, things are going well. It's getting to the point where yourself cannot handle all these things anymore. And I think that at that time, probably one of the scariest decisions you have to make in your career, which would be hiring someone, starting up a payroll. Talk to us about that decision-making process for you and kind of how that came about. There can be some steps in there. So one, as we, as we talked about, even just the other non-technical parts, So, like a good example is accounting. So when I first started, I was doing all my own invoices and doing all my own billing and you know, all that kind of stuff. And I just did it myself every month. And then eventually I had enough projects and by no means, you know, unless you're going to be pretty large to have a full-time 40 hour a week, you know, accounting person, 
but I found an accountant that I got referred for somebody else. And so she does all my monthly invoices. She does all my books. She does my taxes at the end of the year, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it's great. I give her the direction of, of what to bill each month. And then she does all that and takes care of everything. And it's, uh, you know, and that works out really well. So there's certain services like that, that that make a lot of sense. And then from the actual engineering side of it, the first few people that I hired, I hired uh, part-time people. First guy I hired was a CAD designer. And he was a guy who I worked for with one of my previous companies or worked with for a previous company. He was a designer that, that worked on my projects. Because of the recession, he had got laid off during that time, but he was freelancing for several different people and he'd pick up products here and there. And so I did that with him as well. And so it was really good because I didn't have any kind of commitment, like I was committing to 40 hours a week to him or anything like that. So he just worked my projects as I had them and, you know, and he did the work and, and it was great. And then eventually, as I got more and more projects, I had to bring on more people. And so some of the people I brought on over the years have been other part-time people and some of them that are, are full-time people, we have both. And so we've been able to do this gradual progression in staff, but I still like having, even though I have some full-time people now, I like having the part-time people because it gives us a lot of flexibility. If tomorrow, five proposals that I wrote last week all came in, I could bring in more time for those people without having to hire somebody fresh off the street. And then if we had some other projects got canceled or delayed or whatever else, I could just keep my full-time people busy and not give work to the part-time people. We're really flexible that way. That's something that is an important aspect of growing an engineering company, being that the work can be so unpredictable based on the economy, based on funding that's available, based on infrastructure funding, whatever it is, whatever the case is. It's nice to have something you can turn on and turn off in terms of labor and, and people that can help you. So that's really valuable. Kind of a follow-up question on that, Dex, is in terms of like hiring people and things that we're not really schooled in as engineers, do you recommend or did you seek some kind of legal advice for things of that nature? No, I didn't in that I had had a lot of that experience when I was at my previous firm. So I was in a role where I was hiring and, and unfortunately firing uh, people in my job as a, I was a senior project manager. And so, you know, I was running a lot of teams and I was in those, that decision-making role as well as both the, even though there was other HR people that would have done the necessarily paperwork of here's your offer letter or here's your termination letter or whatever else, at least I was exposed to all that. So, you know, I did have that information, but I think a big part of hiring, it's so much about relationships. Again, with previous company and as my own, the most successful hires are about people that you have the, the right rapport with and preferably ones that you already know one way or another. Most of the people that work for me now are people that I worked with in one way or another previously. So some of them actually work for the same companies that I worked for before and some of them went some to another company and then I was able to hire them back with Dax Consulting and some of them worked maybe for the company that I worked for, but they worked for another company that I worked with on projects. We overlap one way or another and I got to meet them. And so I knew who they were. I have had to hire a few people as we've gotten bigger that have just been I putting ads out and getting resumes and going through that. But that's a much more difficult process. If you know people out there that you've worked with before and already know that they have the right work ethic and the technical skills and uh, that they would be a fit for your company, that's much easier than hiring somebody off a resume in a one-hour interview. 
And that makes a lot of sense. It goes back to the network and the relationships like we talked about before, the same as growing your business through acquiring new projects and clients. It's the same as growing your business through you know, hiring more staff is the relationships, the people you know, based on your experience. And so kind of all this stuff being said, Dax, you've been doing this for a while now, give or take eight to 10 years as your own business. Are you overall happy with your the path you've taken and being a business owner? Uh, yes, absolutely. There's definitely some long days and some hurdles that you go through, but once you've done it for a while and you've had success, it would be I can't imagine a situation where I'd go back and work for another company at, at this point, especially as to what we've grown Dax Consulting to now. There's a risk to start out, but it's incredibly rewarding when it's done. And every time we do something, you know, we get new projects, get new type of clients and get to watch the business grow, it's it's a lot of fun. It's like watching your child grow that you just, you know, have this thing knowing how small we started and, and the little things we were doing and, and seeing where we are now with all the projects that we have and bigger range and more people and everything else that goes along with that. And uh, I want to change it. And one thing that I'll just kind of say to that, for those of you listening, I think just because we talk a lot, Dax, to a lot of our content's focused around, of course, helping civil engineers succeed as professionals. And I think growing a civil engineering firm regardless of where you yourself go in the next 10, 20 years, like the value to your own brand, to your own career is amazing because even if Dax, I'm sure he can continue to grow his business as he sounds like he's planning to do, but who knows? There could be a very large engineering company that says, hey, Dax, we like what you're doing. We want to acquire your firm. We want to make you a department owner, a principal. So I think in terms of just like your own professional resume, building a business and getting a business off the ground like Dax has done is extremely invaluable long-term, regardless of what you want to do. Again, it gives you a lot of flexibility and a lot of options in terms of where you want to take your career. And also Dax is, is going to, we're talking to Dax about maybe doing some of the training on some of our courses, like our engineering management accelerator. Again, he has some schedule flexibility for himself. And if that's something he wants to do, a little training on the side, help engineers in other ways, it may be a little bit easier to do that when you have a little bit of your own schedule and planning and things of that nature. So what we're going to do now is I'm going to ask Dax to stick around just for a few more minutes here. We're going to come back and we're going to finish this episode off with the civil engineering hot seat with a couple of career-related questions. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right, now it's time for our civil engineering hot seat segment with Dax Hoff. And we're going to pepper Dax a little bit more. But before we do that, I would like to recognize our sponsor for this episode once again, Mazer Consulting. Mazer maintains a culture that is nurtured through the promotion of integrity, collaboration, and socialization. Their employees enjoy comfortable work environments, continuous career advancement, and the ability to impact society, not only through the projects they work on, but the company's sponsored activities available to them. Mazer Consulting is on the cutting edge of technology and their opportunistic approach to expansion creates personal and professional growth opportunities across all areas of the firm. Leadership's dedication to the well-being of their employees and their families is demonstrated throughout the wide range of benefits and programs available to them. Mazer Consulting has a civil site group located in their Hamilton, New Jersey office for which they are currently seeking an engineer, project engineer, and project manager. The engineering role would include performing design tasks such as grading and drainage associated with civil engineering projects. For the PM role, Mazer is seeking a qualified individual to grow the engineering business. 
This person will be responsible for developing the civil site engineering discipline in this market, as well as assisting in growing existing disciplines. The main responsibilities include developing business, building a staff, and generating and maintaining clients. All right, we're back with Dax Hoff of Dax Consulting. Dax founded the company. He's built the company. He shared some insights with us in terms of his decision-making process and how he's done these things. But now it's time to pepper Dax with a few professional development questions. Dax, you ready for the hot seat? Absolutely. All right, so first question, are there any specific rituals that you practice every day? For example, do you have a specific morning ritual or lunchtime routine, something that you do consistently on a daily basis that's contributed to your success? I think for me that I have a kind of daily schedule of uh, certain things that I hit. And so I have a few things that I do in the morning that I do every day and it's both work and personal. So, you know, I give myself a, a brief amount of time in the morning to go on the internet and check the news and, you know, those kind of things just to kind of start my mind off. And then I have a few things that I hit first thing in the morning of checking paperwork and my email and that kind of stuff to get my day going. And then I'm just very organized about then prioritizing my tasks on the day and figure out all the things I have and kind of put them in order of how I want to get things done. It doesn't always play out with phone calls and emails and and everything else, but as much as possible that I try to go through that schedule. So it's kind of like you have a daily plan. Exactly. All right. How about in terms of a book? Is there a book that you might recommend to engineers in terms of their development? Or it could be any book that has been helpful for you, Dax, in kind of your career, your journey. Unfortunately, as busy as I have been now, I don't have time to read full books a lot. I do, you know, go online a lot and read articles, you know, whether it's paper or online engineering related articles like from ENR and, and those kind of things. One of the books that was, I guess, influential in my career just for insight was I read Bill Gates' book, uh, The Road Ahead, which was 20 years ago. And it's amazing even to think about it now, how many things that, that Gates predicted so far in advance of that technology coming about. The point of that is that somebody who is so involved in, in that field of you know Gates in the computer business that his knowledge of the industry and what the future held was so on point because he's so informative about his discipline. In in our world, knowing what civil engineering is and and where we're going and and how rules and laws are going to change and what the economy future is and those kind of things, that's really important to know where our business is going, where development's going in the future. So you can prepare for that as that happens. Now, what we do now whether it's technical things like how you manage stormwater is different than it was 20 years ago, but also just things like software, like you know what AutoCAD does and what other pieces of software you use as you progress through the industry and see you know what we do now is going to be different than what we do 10 years from now. Mm, that's great. So really trying to think ahead in terms of and be innovative in terms of your career, your business, which is great. And actually, one of our next episodes we have coming up is took a trip to Bentley Systems and met their one of their civil engineers who's in software and just talking about some of the new programs like these digital twins for digital cities and all these different types of things that are coming in the future. And I agree with Dax, it is important to try to stay ahead of some of those things because that can certainly differentiate you in the civil engineering world. So Dax, you mentioned a couple of jobs that you had prior to starting your own business, which means I'm sure you had a couple of different managers along the way in terms of guiding you, managing you. You don't have to give any names per se, but just thinking on some of those managers, if you were to think of one that was your favorite or one that was like a really good manager, what are maybe one or some of the characteristics that you would classify the person as that? 
the best managers are the ones that are not selfish with their information. There are people in our industry and in other industries that will try to hoard their knowledge so that they're the only ones who know something. But if someone is good and confident in their abilities, you have no reason to do that. And so the best manager I had were the ones that would sit down with me and say, look, this is how I did this. And whether it's a technical thing, like when I was first starting out, I had a boss who sat down with a grading plan and showed me how to design a grading plan. Or whether it's other parts of the business, like business development, taking me to meetings and you know, and showing me how he talks to other clients and builds that rapport. And those kind of things are important in our career. And so the good managers are the ones that share that information and try to teach the people below them. Because if you're good, you should expect that you're going to get promoted and move up in a company. And you want to have people behind you to fill in your spot when you get there. The negative side of that is the people that sit there and try to say, I'm the only one who knows where the bodies are buried, you know, idea. And don't tell anybody else. And then just try to protect their job that way. And that's not good for long-term success. So that's what I really try to do with all of my staff is that I teach them all the different things about our projects and try to keep them as informed as possible. And don't just say, just do this because I told you so. This is why we're doing this or, or this is why we're doing this technical thing for project or why we're developing this client this way. I wholeheartedly agree because I had a manager like that who was really just holding everything close to the vest, didn't want to share any information. I think was really afraid of me maybe kind of hopping over him and it was just a really bad experience. It doesn't help anybody. So that's really sound advice. Last question here, Dax. If you got into an elevator with a young civil engineer, you had 30 seconds with him or her, you had to give some career advice in a short period of time, what would you tell him or her? Do as many different things in your company as you can. Don't let yourself get pigeonholed into one specific task. Have a really wide breadth of experience and knowledge in your business and learn as many different skills and and tasks as you possibly can. All right. So there you have it. We talked about starting and growing a civil engineering firm. I hope that you found this helpful. Dax Hoff of Dax Consulting in Southern California. Dax, thanks for spending some time with us on the Civil Engineering Podcast. Thanks, Anthony. Glad to be here. I hope you enjoyed the episode today with Dax Hoff. I really enjoyed it because I do get tons of questions from engineers looking to start their own civil engineering firms and just have questions about the process and also not just the process of starting it, but growing the firm. And I think Dax really kind of highlighted some of the initial steps of the business, but then some of the longer term steps as well. And congratulations again to Dax for doing what he's doing. It's great. One other thing I want to mention is, And I mentioned the new diagnostic tool that we're building to help engineering firms and engineers be the best leaders they can be. The current management abilities potential diagnostic tool, otherwise known as CMAP, will be available in the fall for purchase. However, we're still tweaking it and we're in the final case study of tweaking the tool and you can be a part of that case study. If you want to get a read on how you're performing as a manager in the civil engineering field, you can join into our case study. It's a 360-degree case study, meaning that we'll help you to have your reports and your supervisor assess you along with you assessing yourself, and we'll be able to give you some feedback on how you stack up versus great engineering managers of the past. To be a part of the CMAP case study, simply email Betty in our office at Betty at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Again, that's Betty at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. And please remember, you can find the show notes for this episode 
at civilengineeringpodcast.com. Look for episode number 126. There you will find a summary of the key points discussed in this episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during the episode. Until next time, I wish you the best in all of your civil engineering career endeavors. Thank you for listening to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Be sure to visit civilengineeringpodcast.com, where you can listen to past episodes and also submit your project to be featured on the show. We also invite you to visit our main website at engineeringcareercoach.com and download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also help to develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success. 